From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker, and my regular co-host, Jennifer Shutt, is off today, but I'm very happy to have with us uh, the budget team editor at CQ Roll Call, Peter Cohn. Thanks for being back here, Pete. David, it's an honor and a privilege. Thank you very much for having me. Well, we're glad to have you, and we have a lot to talk about today because we've had a lot going on that we want to sort of pick through today and set up uh, what's coming down the pike uh, for Congress in the next crazy two weeks. But beginning with the big news that we have now averted a government shutdown, uh, another one of these mini dramas has ended, and Congress last night was able to pass a stopgap funding measure buying themselves a little more time to complete these overdue appropriations for the fiscal year that we should remember began two months ago that are, that are long overdue now. And they have 11 more weeks to try to wrap up an omnibus spending package. Yet another high drama just to get this little stopgap funded. They had to defuse a little Republican protest over the Biden administration's vaccine mandate on businesses. Uh, what we thought would be a simple little bill has turned into another week-long drama, Pete, but I guess it's done. Yeah, that's right. It should have a presidential signature at some point before midnight tonight. Uh, it's being enrolled pretty soon here at the Capitol. So, uh, yeah, the uh, drama has been put off until February when they have to work out all these issues that have stymied the, pro- the process uh, for much of the year now. They've got to figure out how much to allocate to defense versus non-defense. But the bill that President Biden is going to sign today was uh, really an interesting series of trade-offs. Uh, you have the date now, February 18th, which I think is longer than many people expected, certainly longer than the Democrats would have preferred. Um, but, uh, you know, in, in exchange, and, and I think, you know, Congresswoman Kay Granger, the top Republican on House Appropriations yesterday, really kind of expressed what I think a lot of people were thinking on the Republican side, which is that with this massive budget reconciliation bill that the Democrats are seeking to pass before the end of the year, they may not get there, but this is something that's a very partisan exercise and the Republicans are, you know, uniformly opposed to it. Uh, Representative Granger yesterday told the House Rules Committee before the bill went to the floor, you know, we're not really interested in negotiating with the Democrats on on this omnibus bill at this point because they're not negotiating with us in good faith on the big uh, reconciliation bill. So, you know, that was a key factor that I think, you know, had to be taken into account. But there are a lot of trade-offs in this bill. Democrats got a lot of money, uh, things they wanted for the Afghan refugees that David wanted, money for, you know, unaccompanied kids at the border. Uh, But there are a lot of things that were left out of this bill that need to be dealt with, uh, like looming Medicare cuts and other cuts subject to the pay-as-you-go rules that are going to trigger early next year. So, And, of course, the debt ceiling was not addressed in this bill either. Right. So, yeah, those are important points, Pete. I mean, there was the surprise of a significant chunk of new money for Afghan refugees, um, $7 billion worth that was tacked onto this thing. Uh, for these tens of thousands of of refugees who were fleeing Afghanistan after the Taliban took over, Republicans were griping about that. 
a little bit, saying that they're still concerned about how these refugees are being vetted. And I heard a complaint on the Senate floor um, saying, look, we haven't had any analysis of what how this money is going to be used. There was $6 billion already appropriated for this in the last stopgap. Who's looking at how many people this is serving and, and whether this money can be spent effectively. So there was some griping over that. And as you point out, uh, we're still facing these, these across-the-board cuts, the so-called sequestration from the pay-as-you-go law that they typically waive to avoid the cuts, but there's nothing in this package that addresses that. We did hear a promise from the chairwoman of House Appropriations, Rosa DeLauro, saying we intend to address it this month, but they weren't able to put it in this bill. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, there's a lot of pain coming for for Medicare providers in particular. You have uh, 4% across the board cuts as a result of the pay-as-you-go law because of the fact that uh, simply the uh, rescue plan passed earlier this year for to deal with, with pandemic relief, uh, that resulted in uh, huge deficits being added uh, on average over the next five, five and 10 years. And so the Congre- the uh, uh, Office of Management and Budget has calculated that almost $400 billion in cuts would have to be triggered early next year, just as a result of that law, not even counting the, uh, the, the pending reconciliation bill that has not passed yet. So if that passes before the end of the year, you're talking about another $150 billion or so in cuts uh, on top of the almost $400 billion. So, I mean, the Congressional Budget Office has said it, that's just impossible. There isn't even enough spending to cut in the budget because all of these big exemptions like Social Security and Medicaid. Uh, but Medicare is definitely not spared. And so you've got 4% cuts triggering across the board in Medicare, another 2% on top of that from a separate set of across the board cuts triggered by the 2011 uh, debt limit deal, <laughs> actually. Uh, and then you've got other cuts on top of that, hitting specifically physicians and clinical laboratory services. So they've, this is something that absolutely, uh, there's intense pressure to deal with this issue from a whole range of Medicare providers, hospitals, physicians. And so, and then of course, the pay-as-you-go waiver impacts dozens and dozens of federal programs, farm subsidies, um, you know, education programs, I mean, all across the board. And then of course, all these new programs that are being created under the so-called Big Build Back Better Act whether it's paid leave or refundable tax credits for clean energy, all of these things would be cut under this pay-as-you-go law if they don't waive it. Now, typically, it's, it's a pretty easy fix. They stick the pay-as-you-go waiver into something that's moving at the end of the year, and they're done with it. It's bipartisan. It happens all the time. But this year, the reconcil- you can't do that under the budget reconciliation rules. And so there are very few vehicles left to do now that they've punted the appropriations until February. So the national the Defense Authorization Act is one possibility that's probably the leading possibility at this point um, for getting some of these things done, but it remains to be seen. There's not a lot of time to get it all done. Yeah, uh, and no one we should say no one really expects these these cuts to actually happen. But but as you as you point out, they still have to find a a way to waive them, and they haven't done it yet. And then we should touch on this drama that played out all this week. Um, over over the vaccine mandate because it speaks to how polarized this Congress is and how even a simple thing like a stopgap funding measure 
is such a heavy lift for them. It, it just shows the dysfunction that, that the smallest of tasks becomes this Herculean effort that took days and days to negotiate. Um, and this time, in addition to the fight over, there was the big partisan showdown over how long this stopgap should last. They finally settled on February 18, but that wasn't easy. Democrats were pushing for just a few weeks of a stopgap. Republicans wanted February or March. Uh, they finally settled that. And then this other issue crops up over the vaccine mandate, where a handful of conservative Republican senators were insisting on getting an amendment to block funding for the Biden administration's mandate on employers to either vaccinate or regular testing of their workers. Uh, you know, there's a lot of pushback on that from conservatives. And so they rose up and said, we want this on the stopgap funding bill, creating yet another crisis to settle here. They finally were able to cut a deal uh, last night to push this through where Republicans got their amendment vote because Democrats had assurance that the amendment would be defeated. And so then they were able to pass the bill. But it just spoke, I think, Pete, to the to the polarizing nature of this place where nothing can get done easily at all. And if, if it's this hard to even get a stopgap, it really does make you wonder, you know, on Build Back Better and on the omnibus appropriations, look at the task they have ahead of them with, with so little time left to do it. Well, you know, like this is nothing new. I mean, you know, first of all, this group of, of Republican senators, they made their their uh, concerns very clear early on. I mean, over a month ago, they sent a letter to the leadership saying, look, we're going to oppose cloture on the on the on the uh, continuing resolution if you don't deal with us on, on this issue of the vaccine mandate. So, you know, this this shouldn't be enough, anything new. Now, you know, I will say that, I, you know, based on on, uh, you know, you know, the reporting that we've done. I don't ever think there was really a major concern that the government was going to shut down. I mean, you know, there was the possibility that, and this wouldn't be the first time, that they had a brief funding lapse over the weekend, potentially, maybe even into early Monday. But then it would be quickly lifted because, frankly, the, the, you know, the uh, senators who were concerned about this issue did not have the votes to stop the CR. It passed at 69 votes last night. So let's just, you know, call it what it is. This was an in, in attempt to call attention to an issue that several uh, members cared very deeply about. And an interesting thing also happened, which is that uh, the, the particular amendment that was offered last night by Senator Roger Marshall uh, from Kansas was different than the one he offered in September on the last time this issue came up. And it did come up, if, you, if everyone recalls, last, uh, when they were trying to do this, the first CR in September. Now, that one uh, was defeated on a 50 to 50 vote because they needed 60 under the agreement that they had set out. They lowered the bar to, to a simple majority last night as a result of the agreement they struck. But an interesting thing was that amendment in September, the Biden uh, OSHA rule, Occupational Safe and Health, Safety and, uh, and Health Administration uh, rule on private employers, the vaccine or test rule, so-called shot or test rule, that's now held up in court, by the way. But that was not out there yet. There, there was just the the uh, the stated intent of the administration to uh, promulgate that rule. So the amendment from Senator Marshall in September was very basic and broad. It just said, we will not fund any of these uh, upcoming uh, mandates that have not exactly been flushed out yet. Now, last, now, 
all Democrats voted against that back in September, including Senator Joe Manchin. And I bring up Senator Manchin for, for uh, here because yesterday he made very clear that he is not thrilled about the OSHA rule either. However, he does support the other mandates that have been put in place by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, for instance, for healthcare workers and for government contractors and for the military. So Senator Marshall and his allies uh, tweaked their amendment and they had they they expanded it to cover all of these existing regulations and, and decrees by the administration. And so that was an easy out for Senator Manchin to vote no on that amendment, even though he doesn't like the uh, the OSHA mandate necessarily. So it was like the whole thing was orchestrated in advance. And now then, of course, almost immediately, Senator Manchin signed on to a Congressional Review Act re resolution, which is a way you can overturn an administration rulemaking with a simple majority vote. Now, it won't happen because the House may not pass it. And in any case, it'll be vetoed by the president and they won't be able to override it. But Senator Manchin quickly signed on to that Republican CRA resolution, which now can pass the Senate next week. So the whole thing was, was very, it seems to me, a very carefully choreographed uh, dance to call attention to this issue. Ultimately, it was not going to lead to a shutdown, but everybody kind of got what they wanted. They got their headlines over that issue and the government is not going to shut down uh, as a result. But it was very interesting to see it all play out. Right. And the fight over the vaccine mandate is not going to go away. So we will be returning to that. In the meantime, Pete, uh, next week, they're supposed to take action now on the debt limit because they're facing a December 15 deadline. Uh, after which the government may not be able to pay all its bills unless they increase the government's borrowing capacity. And we still don't know how they intend to do that. It seems like there's a bipartisan deal in the works, but it's not quite clear what they're cooking up. Yeah, this one is, is really, it's the real head scratcher, right? I mean, we, you know, nobody, there are a lot of, there's a lot of talking going on. Senator McConnell and Senator Schumer uh, actually have been really involved in, in intense negotiations over all of these issues for the last several weeks. And uh, it's very interesting. You know, they're really not bashing each other in public the way they uh, have tended to in the past um, because they really are negotiating good, in good faith. Now, you know, there's all kinds of discussions about what this could look like. Is it going to be attached to the NDAA, the Defense Authorization Bill? Uh, are they going to include that with the pay-as-you-go waiver? Are they going to add all the, the you know, averting all the Medicare cuts and so forth? Are they going to put it all into one you know, package? It's pretty clear that they can't just simply raise the debt limit as part of this deal or just suspend it to a, to a, you know, a date out in the future. But they could set up some sort of, of mechanism to uh, you know, some sort of a process where you know, if you achieve a certain amount of deficit reduction at some point, you know, they've, they've set up these commissions in the past to look at look at the budget that you know uh, there's a, a bipartisan bill is, is being introduced in the house today that would uh, basically say if you adopt a budget that shows a declining debt to GDP ratio you automatically deal with the debt limit that way so there's a whole range of bipartisan things they could do now all of that seems very complicated and the house doesn't seem very interested in dealing with the debt limit that way necessarily at least at the leadership level um, so, you know, what do you do? The other option is, is reconciliation, which Mitch McConnell, you know, early on said, that's your way out to the, to the Democrats. He said, you know, use reconciliation, pass it on your own. You don't even need us. 
Democrats have been very reluctant to do that, and they don't have a lot of time now to start that process, although the Republicans have said they are willing to basically uh, lower all of the procedural roadblocks that they could put in front of it uh, to reconciliation. So, you know, conceivably, they could do reconciliation very easily and quickly. It would just be kind of an annoyance for the Democrats. And there are still many Democrats who don't want to vote for the debt limit uh, on their own without any help from the Republicans. So <laughs> this is going to be... I don't think anybody, you know, if anybody tells you they know what's going to happen, they're, they, they're, uh, they're lying. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> so it's, it's a bit of a mystery. Uh, and because Republicans have been adamant that they will not vote for a debt limit increase because they're so mad at Democrats over the, over the big reconciliation package, the build, build back better package um, that has poisoned the well here for any kind of bipartisanship. And so Republicans are saying Democrats have to raise the debt limit on their own through reconciliation. Democrats say, no, this should be bipartisan because both parties have helped raise the debt. Uh, and now we know th the only compromise I see there is that is this Pat Toomey idea, the Repu Pennsylvania Republicans, who's been shopping around this effort to kind of streamline the reconciliation process somehow for Democrats <laughs> to make it less cumbersome so that maybe it would be more enticing to get it done that way. But I, we don't know that Democrats have bought into that idea at all, although Chuck Schumer keeps talking about a bipartisan approach. I mean, it's it's still sort of a mystery, and they they only have this coming week really to to get it settled and get something get something through if they're not you know to avoid a risk of any kind of um, financial problems. Yeah, I mean, the, the issue is reconciliation takes up floor time, and you know, they may be able to uh, create some floor time for themselves. Now they don't have to deal with appropriations, obviously. There's talk about shelving the NDAA and just letting the principals on the armed services committees deal with that, you know, behind closed doors. And then presumably they could attach all manner of, of, of these other, uh, you know, issues, including the debt ceiling to that bill that way. But you've still got to find the right formula. What do you, what do, you do to, to the debt limit language to make it palatable to enough Republicans where they're, you know, they don't feel like they're going back on previous pledges. You know, I mean, is it this commission to look at the, you know, the, the entitlement programs that Mitt Romney has put out there, for instance? You know, in the past, there have always been ways you could get enough Republican buy-in if you do something to pair uh, the debt limit increase with some some fig leaf to deficit and debt reduction, right? I mean, you know, that's always been the formula in the past. This year, that kind of changed. And, you know, Republicans basically said they're not going to negotiate. But now maybe they are because we're at the end of the year and people want to go home for Christmas. You know, we just don't know yet. And so reconciliation is the other option. That's very simple. It's, you know, a one paragraph bill. Um, but you just have to go through all these hoops. You have to have a markup in the budget committee. You've got to go to the floor. You've got to have the voterama. Republicans say they won't offer a lot of amendments. But you never know, you know, somebody, somebody who doesn't like the whole thing could decide they want to offer, you know, 20 amendments and keep, keep senators in, you know, till, uh, you know, overnight, it, it, you just don't know. And so, you know, and then the house has got to have a markup and they've got to pass it. There's so many steps involved in reconciliation that it's just, it's really not palatable for, for just about anybody at this point. So we'll have to see. So that's a major mystery coming down the pike here. And of course, the big reconciliation package, the Democrats are still trying to push through it. The House did pass it uh, before the Thanksgiving recess. 
Now it's up to the Senate. They've set a, a Christmas deadline for passing it. Uh, it's still not on the Senate floor, Pete. Time is running out, and they still plan on making changes to this bill. What should we expect there? Yeah, I mean, that's right there is another reason why they don't want to waste time on reconciliation for the debt limit because they've got to deal with, with this thing. Now, you know, they have to get a motion, to, they have to get a vote to proceed to it, which they need. They're going to need everyone on their side on board. Uh, we still don't know if Senators Manchin and Kirsten Cinema of Arizona are going to are going to be there, uh, on that, or that you know they may vote to proceed, but then they can't vote to for on uh, on you know at the end at the end of it, you know time time is uh, is limited. It's limited to twenty hours on the floor, but um, you know if Manchin and Cinema don't get they what don't get what they want in the final package, um, then they're you know they're still nowhere. So you know <laughs> they're still squabbling over. The state and local tax deduction. Um, they're, they're squabbling over the energy provisions. You know, meanwhile, if they don't get this done by the end of next year, the monthly child tax credit payments stop. Uh, nobody's going to get their state and local tax deduction, their salt relief for uh, the t- for this past tax year until you know they may have to file an amended return later in the year. I mean, there's just all kinds of problems. And then, of course, you get into the midterms. Uh, you know, the closer, the longer you go into the midterm year without passing a, a controversial bill like this, the tougher it is for those moderates and tough races on the Democratic side to ultimately, you know, swallow it. And then it has to go back to the House, uh, where you're going to have a lot of House members who are not going to be, you know, thrilled about being dictated to by two senators uh, in, you know, by two Democratic senators who mandated all these changes to what they previously voted for and what they told their constituents they were going to deliver. You know, some of those things may end up out. And so, you know, the, the whole thing is just really kind of a mess. Um, you know, I, to, to crystal ball it a little bit, do they get something done this year? <laughs> you know, I, I wish I could give you a percentage probability on it. I hate to, you know, kind of waffle on that, but, um, you know, I'd, I couldn't really put it at higher than 50-50 right now. Yeah, that's a tough one. Now, we should say, even though it's not on the Senate floor, we do know that they are working on it behind the scenes. We knew that this week Senate Democrats met with a Senate parliamentarian on a key issue, which is this procedural question of whether immigration provisions in this bill as passed by the House uh, can pass muster under Senate budget rules. Uh, We know that those talks are going on and the Senate parliamentarian supposedly seemed receptive to this latest plan by by Democrats to allow sort of a scaled back version of their their protections for undocumented immigrants uh, that maybe will have better luck than previous proposals. So there's some movement there, but how much we don't know. And there's still a big fight over the paid leave program that's that the House added back into this package uh, that Joe Manchin says he doesn't want in here, uh, along with the energy provisions, the methane fee, um, and as you said, the salt deduction quagmire. Uh, so there's a lot they have to sort out here. Um, it's really going to be, I mean, makes the stopgap look like a piece of cake compared to what they have yet to even tackle here. 50-50. I'm sticking with 50-50. It's, it's a coin toss. So that's what's coming down the pike here for us. Uh, a lot going on. 
So stay tuned. We'll be covering it all for you. That does it for us today. If you have any questions or comments about our podcast, we'd love to hear from you. You can always drop us an email. The address is cqpodcast, one word, at cqrollcall.com. The CQ Budget Podcast is produced by CQ Roll Call, a leader in nonpartisan political and policy news and analysis for more than 70 years. CQ Roll Call is part of Fiscal Note, a global technology and media company. Thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. And I'm Jennifer Shutt, budget and appropriations reporter. You can always stay up to date by subscribing to the CQ Budget Newsletter. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, NPR One, or just Google the phrase CQ Budget Podcast. And we'll be back next week. <laughs>